scripture comes from the first epistle of John, first chapter, verses 1 through 4. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked at and our hands have touched, this we proclaim concerning the word of life. The life appeared, we have seen it and testify to it, and we proclaim to you the eternal life, which was with the Father and has appeared to us. We proclaim to you what we have seen and heard, so that you also may have fellowship with us, and our fellowship is with the Father and with his Son, Jesus Christ. We write this to make our joy complete. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. I hope you had a very enjoyable Christmas. I know ours was, was good. The last time I was, yeah, I'm tired because it was good. There's <laughs> a lot of family. And, uh, the last time I was up here at the, the pulpit, I mentioned just ever so briefly that my wife had called me a Scrooge. And it seems like that's the only thing from that sermon that people are remembering, and it's now become the, the standard of Scroogedness in our church. And so I'm a little bit nervous that after this morning, I'm also going to become the standard of weirdness. Um, but we'll see. You th- look at me and you think, Dan, you're, you're not weird. And I don't think I'm overly weird. I don't look weird, at least I don't think I do. My wife might have a different opinion, but how many people do you know that actually enjoy taking tests? That was me. In, in elementary school, junior high, high school, all the way up through graduate school, I enjoyed taking tests. Now, I kept it on the down low because uh, my friends didn't always enjoy it, but I, I liked the evaluation process. I liked knowing this is what you're supposed to know. This is what you actually knew, and here's where you need to work. Here's where you need to round out your knowledge. I like that, and I know it makes me weird. I also love Monday mornings. Yeah, I know, it makes me weird. See, throughout the week, so much of our our work kind of leads up to Sunday, at least here at ECC. It leads up to Sunday. And then Sunday's done, and Monday morning comes around, And I love sitting in my office and thinking, this is what went well last week. This is what I can do better. I can be more responsive to emails. I can develop better questions for my studies. And the whole week is out there before me. It's a fresh week, and I can do better this week than I did last week. And I love that. And I know it makes me weird. But this week, it feels like we've just come out of Christmas and... In some ways, Christmas is like a test. And we have the new year ahead of us, so this week is also kind of like a Monday. We don't just have the the fresh week ahead of us. We have a brand new, fresh year ahead of us. So this makes it a really good time, I think. A a good time to to take stock, uh, to evaluate, and to make some course corrections, if necessary, for the year ahead. And this morning, I just have two, I think they're simple questions, but I hope they're also heart-probing questions 
that will help us to do that evaluating, to help us take stock and help us set our course for the next year. Uh, the first question, remember I said Christmas is, is kind of a test. Because I think Christmas helps us evaluate where our heart is. Uh, so the first question on this, this test is, where's your heart? Growing up, one of the verses that my, my dad kind of just beat into our brains over and over again is Proverbs 4.23. Guard your hearts with all diligence, for from it flow the wellsprings of life. I, I heard sermons on that. We would talk about that around the family dinner table. We had lots of private conversations where my dad would say, Dan, make sure you guard your heart. Don't let your heart latch onto things other than what God has for you. But you know, coming out of Christmas season, I realize how enticing the things of the world can be and how alluring they can be and how quickly my heart can be drawn to those things and latch on, well, to the stuff that seems so good. And you know, in, in many ways, Christmas serves as a, a great parable, or Christmas morning, I should say, serves as a, a great series of parables about the vanity of putting your heart and seeking your treasure in, in earthly things. You know, from my life, I could tell you the parable of the broken tank. When I was probably eight years old, the toy I really wanted for Christmas was this, okay, this is back in the 80s, high-tech, programmable tank. You could tell the tank, it had a little keypad on the top of it, you could tell the tank, go six feet straight ahead, turn left, go four feet, and shoot. Then do a U-turn and, and come back. And it was fantastic. I loved my programmable tank. I opened it up on Christmas Day, and I don't think I stopped playing it for two weeks until my sister sat on it and tried to ride it and broke it. 32 years ago, and I still don't let her forget it. My favorite toy ever. But it shows the vanity of using stuff as your treasure. Of trying to find lasting joy in things. That's why Jesus warned us, don't store up treasure here on earth where moth or rust or burglars or kid sisters can steal or destroy. I can also tell you, you know, the parable of the bored child. I think every parent has this story. You've spent months, right, developing the Christmas lists, hunting out the best deals, fighting off the Walmart shoppers. You've thrown out your back, wrapping all the presents, and you get them under the tree. Christmas morning rolls around 7 o'clock, there's the carnage, paper flying everywhere, bows everywhere. 7.30, you start putting together all the toys. About 9 o'clock, 10 o'clock, you sit down on the couch and you think you're done. And one of your kids comes and says, Dad, I'm bored. How in the midst of all these brand new toys that you were dying to have could you possibly be bored? Well, none of those things truly satisfy. 
Uh, the best things hold our excitement and our affections for a short while. But then the joy runs dry. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah is God's mouthpiece. And he called the people of Israel to repentance. God said through the prophet Jeremiah, My people have committed two great evils. They've forsaken me, the fountain of living water. And they've hewn out for themselves cisterns that are broken and won't hold water. Christmas is a reminder how quickly I do that. How quickly I, I turn to and look to things to satisfy what only God can satisfy. Now that doesn't mean, and don't misunderstand me, that the quest for joy or the quest for pleasure is bad. It's only when we turn objects and trinkets and material things into the source of those joys and the source of that pleasure that we've gone wrong. I, I don't think anyone has ever put it any better than C.S. Lewis. When he said, if I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy, the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Uh, the desires that we have, the, the quest for joy and pleasure and happiness that is embedded in us is good because it's meant to draw us to God and He stands there as the fountain of living water, as the pure and true treasure that will satisfy. He says, I have created you for myself. I have created you to delight in me. Now come and find joy that is pure, that is everlasting, and that will never run dry. In this passage that was just read, John speaks of his joy being complete. Stuff in this world, toy tanks and new houses and cars, can bring us pleasure and joy for a while. But none of them will ever bring us joy complete, like fellowship with God. My question to myself and, and to you this week, if people who know you really well were asked, do they find more joy in their relationship with God or in their stuff, what would they say? Do I find more joy in my relationship with God or in my worldly stuff, my possessions, my relationships, my roles, whatever it is? I hope that as I evaluate after Christmas this year and moving into the next year, I can say my true joy and my joy that everyone else knows I celebrate is in God and in Christ His Son. I think there's a couple steps that we can take, a couple things we can do to foster that joy and to grow that joy and that fellowship we have with God. First, follow the gifts back to the gift giver. Uh, when kids come down on Christmas morning and they see all the presents, they know someone had to put the presents under the tree. Had to be mom, had to be dad, had to be the guy with the big belly, grandpa, 
or, you know, someone else had to put the presents under the tree. I think maybe as adults, we sometimes forget that. All the good gifts we have, well, someone gave them to us. We can trace those gifts back to their source, back to God, turn that Turn those blessings into thankfulness, into gratitude. And watch how your heart will grow. Watch how your heart for God will expand. You can also keep going to where we know God has promised to make Himself present. We can keep going to His Word. We can keep going to Him in prayer. Not just to speak to Him, but to hear Him and to be in fellowship with Him. We keep going and gathering with the people of God because we know that God is profoundly there, present. And as we do, our hearts will grow in affection for God. And the allure of the things of this world, they'll they'll lose their luster as we set our hearts and minds on the things above, where our life is with Christ. So the first question, where's your heart? The second question, where do you find your identity? It's funny to think about the different roles that kind of emerge in households at Christmas time. I know one of the roles I kind of play at Christmas time is well, the guy who puts up the Christmas lights and grumbles about it. But I'm also the guy who, I'm dad. And I give dad kind of gifts. You know, I, I'm sneaking a pocket knife in the Christmas stockings. You know, I'm buying the BB gun or the, the video game that's maybe a little bit too violent. And, you know, the dad kind of stuff. I have other roles too, of course. My wife's role, one of them, is the cookie maker. She makes fantastic cookies, cutouts, gingerbreads, uh, peanut butter cookies with the Hershey Kiss on top. She makes these great chocolate cookies with a peppermint patty in the middle. They're fantastic. This year, right before my wife was getting ready to make all the cookies, our stove broke. And you'd think that would put a dent in the cookie making. It didn't. It was just delayed. And rather than being spread out over a couple days... She had to wait for the stove to come. We had to buy the stove and then wait for the stove to come. And then she packed all the cooking making into six or eight hours in a day. But that's her role. She wasn't going to be deterred from making cookies. That's just a microcosm, right, of, of life and all the different roles that we play. I'm a husband. I'm a dad. I'm a pastor. I'm a student. I'm a coach. I'm a son. I'm a brother. I'm a baseball fan, a music lover, a Chevy guy. All these different things that in some ways define me. You could add to that. You could add professor, student, boss, employee. The list could go on and on, right? And there's certainly a a hierarchy in those. I hope I'm known more for being a father and a husband than I am for being a Chevy guy, right? So there's a hierarchy there. 
But even those most important roles, the most important hats I wear, they don't go to the core of who I am as much as my identity in Christ. That must be what defines me. That must be the source of my true identity. You know, one of the things I, I, I love to think about and meditate on is how Christ and his birth, his life, his death, resurrection, ascension, and return, how that changes everything. It's changed the course of history. It's changed the future of we're not exaggerating when we say it's changed the cosmos. It changes everything. But maybe at times I, I lose sight of the trees for the forest. So wait, didn't you say that backwards? Don't you mean you lose sight of the forest for the trees? No. <laughs> I think I have a good understanding of the big picture and how Christ changes everything. But sometimes I lose sight of the tree and how Christ changes me. New Testament says that in Christ, I'm a new creation. So not just has everything changed, but everything has changed for me. I have a new identity. I'm a child of God. John, who, who wrote the epistle that was read, also wrote the Gospel of John. In the first chapter there, he says, The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. I love how the early church father, Irenaeus, summed that up. He said, the Son of God became the Son of Man so that the sons of men might become sons of God. You can't put it any better than that. You might say, isn't everyone a child of God? No. <laughs> uh, it's kind of a nice way to think about it. Everyone is a creation of God. But the Bible says we're not by nature sons and daughters of God. It's only by adoption, and that adoption is in and through Christ. So Paul can say in Ephesians 1, In love, God predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. That changes everything. That we have been adopted by God. That Jesus isn't just our Savior, but our older brother. That God is our Heavenly Father. That He has lavished and continues to lavish love upon us. And that He cares for us. That's why Jesus can say in the Sermon on the Mount, Don't you know that your Heavenly Father, He knows what you need. He knows the hairs on your head. So don't worry. He's committed to caring for your needs. He loves us as our Heavenly Father. He cares for us as our Heavenly Father. 
He, he disciplines us. This year, there's going to be bad stuff. Trials, difficulties, testings. Those aren't just random things that happen. They're God's loving discipline, meant to shape us, meant to form us, meant to draw us deeper into relationship and dependence on Him. And it comes from a Heavenly Father. Because we're adopted as, as His sons, we also have this great future inheritance. Things in earth go up and down, but our future inheritance is solid and secure, and it rests with Christ in heaven. That's the core of our identity. More than being husbands or wives, fathers or mothers, or anything else, the core of who we are is we're sons and daughters of God. That's the second question. How do you define who you are? This year, allow that truth to define you. Live out of that truth. Yes, you are still a husband, a wife, a father, a mother, an employee, an employer. Yes. But before any of that, you're a son and daughter of God. So two simple questions. As you think about your new year, two questions that I hope will help you shape where you go this year. Where's your heart? Guard it. Guard it against the seductions of the world. Uh, the world is whispering, here, put your heart here. Set your affections here. But listen to the Apostle Paul, who said, set your heart and minds on things above. And live, live as the son or daughter in Christ that you are. Would you pray with me? Father, we do thank you. We thank you for your word. We thank you how it comes to us and is the standard by which we evaluate where we're at. Where we are at, where we are at in relationship to you. Father, we pray that your spirit would, would search our hearts now and, and test our hearts. Show us where there's idols that need to be torn down. Father, help us to grow this year in, in a deeper communion with you. Father, help us to truly believe that we have been adopted into your family. And live that truth out. Father, help us to relish the love that you lavish upon us. Help us to rely on the care, accept the discipline, and look forward to that future inheritance. Father, we thank you again that you've called us and that you've adopted us. We thank you in Jesus' precious name. Amen.